Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts podcast for July 31st of 2020. I'm Ryan Wilson, Penguins writer for HockeyBuzz.com. I'm Cameron Walsh coming to you from the COVID bubble. <laughs> wow. Um, I literally had to dust my microphone off. It's been a few months. Um, had to get the Clorox wipes. There was literally a film of just grime dust uh, on the microphone towards the bottom. Um, hi. It's been a while. I think I speak for both of us when I say we're pleasantly surprised to be doing this podcast tomorrow. The NHL playoffs begin, and I had a lot of reservations early in this process about the likelihood of this happening. The NHL's done a great job, and we don't say that often, but they have, and they did so in a really important time uh, where people will be starving for sports, and they are, and it's the playoffs. They'll be the first, I believe, the first North American League to have a postseason since we've shut down so um this is this is pretty exciting it's a weird postseason but at least it looks like they're not going to get shut down yet do you see that the mlb might not make it to like tuesday or something well the 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 bone the benefit of both basketball and hockey more so hockey because they ditched the United States altogether and Correct. went went to Canada for two bubble cities. I think I think that puts them a step ahead of anybody. Basketball has a bubble. It's in Florida. But if they I, just, I find that absolutely that, crazy. I know. Florida is a mess. But if they do maintain their bubble, it hypothetically should be fine. Yeah. The other sports, baseball, and uh, coming up the NFL, and truth, truthfully, I, I can't speak to MLS. I'm not up to date on that. Um, so if I leave them out, it's just because I would be speaking from ignorance and not knowledge. So I'm going to not. How's that different from anything else we say in the podcast? <laughs> well, I mean, trying to turn Sorry. a new leaf in uh, the COVID 2.0 era here. Um, <laughs> those other sports... They have to do their entire regular season, so a bubble wasn't very realistic for that stretch of time. No, you're absolutely Unfortunately, right. Unfortunately, no bubble, it's not realistic to expect success, in my opinion. Especially when you're used, predominantly in the United States, like baseball, like the Blue Jays are going to be based out of Buffalo, which Western New York has been uh, pretty good overall. But you already see the Marlins with double digits a week into the season. Uh, they're obviously in Florida, not a great spot to be with no bubble. All these teams will be traveling across the country. I just don't see how they do it. Um, so I commend the NHL on locking it down to Canada, uh, doing the research, picking two cities they think are going to work. So far, the testing has been very promising uh, since the players have gotten to the bubble. And uh, it looks looks like all things are a go. I hope it continues. Uh, the exhibition games went off without a hitch. And tomorrow we have the playing round playoffs. I, I, who gives a shit what they're going to call it? Uh, <laughs> I, it's, it's hockey. Games. They're five-game series. It's been a long time. 
it's summer it's unique well summer here it's winter for you yes yes correct we're in the we're coming out so finally a hockey winter. winter for you yeah i think i like it the other way where i can watch it outside <laughs> on, my, on my on my laptop well tough shit uh <laughs> So, Pittsburgh will have the primetime game tomorrow. Uh, in the, we're, we're just going to focus on the one series today. We're going to make it short, sweet, so you can get through it. Um, we're going to preview the Penguins and Canadians. And the Canadians, I believe, are the last team to get into the playoffs. And Pittsburgh, one of the better teams, probably... Probably the team with the biggest argument that they're kind of getting screwed a little bit with needing to go through this playing round, considering... I reckon, I reckon it'll actually be good for them. Yeah, so on the surface, you could argue that it's a little bit unfair to them. Uh, however, the delay in starting the playoffs, they are fully healthy. And that was not going to happen. And yeah. they were going to play a harder team most likely because it would have been that stupid divisional format and now we have reseeding in this new format which i think is great so we don't have a bracket uh i'm very much in favor of that so yes but you and i are anti-bracket we have been for a while i think a lot of people are though except for the people that run the league Well, as we said at the beginning, we don't praise them often, but <laughs> so get back to get back to normal. What just overall thoughts going into this series? What do you think? I just, I, I'm just excited that we've got something to watch. It is going to be very interesting because, like you said, Pittsburgh was struggling when the league had to pull the pin because they were falling apart. It was like they were just losing players left, right, and center, and some important ones. Well, and and got... losing games. Their closure yes. to the season probably likely cost Mike Sullivan a nomination for Coach of the Year. This is, this is very true. They've got some important pieces back. They've um, Rutherford did a Rutherford. Uh, I think the only thing that they're missing is Bukestad, and you debate there in regards to his value. They're it's, fine without know. him, to be quite Correct. honest. Correct. And we'll get to the right. lines in a little bit, but they're fine without him. They're fine yeah. without Dominic Simone, who I, I do like as a player, too. It really speaks to Pittsburgh's depth heading in here with, obviously, the big one is Jake Ensel's back. They're, yeah. Like, hands down night and day to their depth and scoring ability power play stuff uh, i thought i saw a tweet today since jake gensel's entered the league he scored 24 playoff goals that's best by anybody oh, wow. and uh i think alex ovechkin and sean couturier were tied for second with 20 so four goals behind so jake gensel is a, a goal scoring machine in the playoffs in fact when they wanted all his rookie year, or I don't know, was that considered? A, he was on the 2017 team. He led the NHL in goals for the playoffs. So Jesus, that, that's that just a that's a hidden that's a hidden gem. That little stat there, I tell you. So, getting him back, he looks healthy. He looks good. He's their best winger by far. 
Um, one of my favorite players to watch just from his hands, creativity and vision of getting open and those kinds of things. Just a huge thing to have him back. So, um, yeah, I'm, they look, they look primed to do well. I suppose the thing for me is it's a short five game series. If the coach gets a little yippy on the goaltending, as we know, goaltenders can sink a ship. That's probably the place where I'm worried. Like, the, the defensive pairings look like they're solid. Like, from what I've seen, they, it looks like they're going to be sensible. The, the and, best and try and be clever. they're going to do with their preconceived notions. Correct. That's exactly right. So, uh, it looks like they're not going to try and be stupid, though, and put someone where they shouldn't be and stuff like that. So, it's almost like they've gone, all right, we've got a chance to reset here. Let's not try and recreate the wheel. Let's just do what we know works. Well, let's let's start with the, the 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 true unknown for Pittsburgh. The the goaltending. What where do you think they're going to go? I think they'll go Murray, but I think they should go Jerry. I'm, and they'll uh, do it because they're comfortable with him in the playoffs because hockey. I cannot disagree. That's where I am with it. Uh I think I would. I think me personally, I would start Jari because he's been the better goalie this year, objectively speaking. It's not even been all that close, really. Nope. Uh, I think the ability to play the puck is a tad overrated for goaltenders, but Jari is extremely good at it. So if you're talking about someone who's already played better throughout the year and has an extra skill set. Um, you know, you got to make the tough decision tough in the sense that teams have a hard time breaking from history and Matt Murray's two Stanley cup runs are legendary in their own right. He was amazing in both of those, but he's been inconsistent even in the regular season since then. Um, I will argue that he's the main reason they made the playoffs last year because after December, he was amazing, but this entire season, He's been, he's been bad. He's been yeah. below 900 all situations. He's 899. That's not good. And you're talking about a five-game series. Uh, the only thing I'll add to this is uh, I can't speak. Uh, I like to be sure about these things when I predict them, but I, I just can't because it's goaltending, and goaltending is a real disaster prediction area to begin with. And Voodoo. And the COVID thing, like, this layoff is not normal. So good luck trying to sort out <laughs> who is coming back sharp and strong. The scrimmage, Matt Murray gave up two goals. I don't necessarily really think either were truly on him. Jari gave up the three-on-three overtime goal, whatever. He's not even going to see a three-on-three in the playoffs. Yes, uh, they are. You can only go by practices and whatnot. Uh, everything I saw and, you know, take it with a grain of salt, said Jari looked sharp throughout. Uh, that would be good enough for me to roll the dice with Jari. Um, so, I don't know. I oh, I, I agree. They're yeah. probably, uh, Mike Sullivan, just before we started recording, said, I'm not telling you who until tomorrow. So, we don't know as of right now for sure, but I think they will go with the guy that won them two Stanley Cups. Um, 
and it could work out even though the numbers have been what they are it's uh not outside the realm of possibility that Matt Murray can get hot and play well. He's certainly shown that to be the case throughout his career. And the same argument people make for Carey Price, I don't know why it would not apply to Matt Murray. Carey Price is a 909 goalie this year, and everybody's talking about how he can steal the series for the Canadiens. Well, yeah. not, for, not for nothing. <clears throat> Matt Murray's uh, history uh, in recent memory is just as good as Carey Price's and has just as much fluctuation so if everybody's on board with price doing it then i think you could make an argument for murray doing it even though i think we're both making an argument for jari to do it i've said this on the podcast before i have an irrational distrust of matt murray because he is the goalie that allowed pittsburgh to give up flurry (laughs) right so there is an irrational there is an irrational i just don't want him to succeed which is baffling considering that He's been awesome when he's had to be. So, yes, you're right. There's no reason why Murray can't do 2017 if people are going to sit there and think, yeah, Kerry Price can do what Kerry Price does. So, yeah, I, yeah, I agree. It'll be Murray in net and Jerry will have and to try And the leash will the be mess. short. We see, and that you are absolutely right. And this is the one thing that I, I would, it would drive me bonkers if you were a goalie in that, you know, goaltending is as much about rhythm as anything else. Like, if you see a goalie barely giving up a rebound, it's because they're in the groove. If you see a goalie giving rebounds out to the middle of the goddamn zone, they're not in the groove. At some point, you have to allow them to get into the groove, right? You don't have that luxury in a five-game series. No, you don't. And I think deep down, they know that Jari did play better this year. And fans will be all over them if they lose the series for going with the goalie that wasn't really all that good this year. Um, but I did I did write about that just that today, the, the mental preparation and the just weighing over you knowing if you give up two goals, even if they're not necessarily your fault early, you're probably out. Yeah, and you probably get the hook. And that's not a good headspace to be in. I think Marc-Andre Fleury was in that headspace quite a bit back in the day uh, during that famed 2010 to 13 era uh, when when the Penguins finally got like a, a Vokun in there. The, you know, he, he probably knew he wasn't playing good. He was out and yeah, he was absolutely. out. So it's not easy in that to play that position in such a short series, knowing that your team's pretty great and you got to be doing your end of the bargain because your position can undo it all. So I do not envy Matt Murray if he gets the nod at all, because it's such a tough spot for him to be in. Plus, you know, we'll talk more about this in the, after the playoffs, RFA, I believe. Yeah. So, he, more than anybody, I think has the chance to make a shitload of money with a real strong playoff than almost any Penguins player out there. Well, I think the only place he can make the money is if he goes, trade me to the Kraken and I'll be their starting goalie and they can pay me $8 mil a year. I don't know if the Kraken have the personnel uh, hired that would want to spend big on goaltending, but I could be proven wrong. But that is, uh, I, I really think they are building quite a smart 
organization, yes. and I would be very surprised for them to the, do something the, like that. But if he does penguin. go far, there will be GMs that consider him the clutch goaltender of his era. Yeah, but the problem you've got for Murray now is that the Kraken are the only team that are going to have cap space right now. That's more what I meant. Um, well, we'll see. There'll be a lot of interesting stuff, I think. Yeah. Plus, he's an RFA. That makes it a little bit more interesting. Yeah. But yes, you are right. He is playing. And this, this is the thing. He's playing through his next contract. I'm, I'm moving Murray... on if I'm Pittsburgh, unless I take him to arbitration, which, truth be told, I don't even know if that is an option with the CBA um, moving forward. I think that I don't know. Does the new CBA start next uh, year? Look, I know I've had... I've been off for months. Him. I haven't really given much of any of this a thought. So. I haven't gone and read legalese. So My no point idea. being, if, you, if a team elects to send a player to arbitration, they have to accept whatever judgment's made, but the max contract would be two years. Plus, you're talking about an RFA, so he's not going to get an $8 million deal from an arbitrator. So now you would have him short so. term. It would be probably six, six, six and a half mil. You could do that with Jari still being cheap. If they don't do that, I I just move on. I don't give him term. I totally think Murray had to. The, the Penguins desperately needed Murray to be Murray. They don't win those cups without him. Uh, well, the Penguins don't win the second cup of, of the back-to-back without Fleury doing what he did against the Capitals. But, mm. you know, Matt Murray, huge part of why they were good during that stretch, getting the second and third cups of the Crosby-Malkin era. But much like I wanted Fleury to go bye-bye, I, the same reasons apply to Matt Murray. I do not want to be tied into term and money for a goaltender. So um, if he wants money in term, He's going to have to play great. I think he is going to be given the first opportunity to do so. And um, anybody who can say confidently they know how it's going to shake out, uh, you are a liar. So Correct. That um, is right. So that that's probably the most unknown part of the series is what the heck the Penguins will do with goaltending and how will they play. One of the more certain things on the Penguins side of uh, the coin, the forwards, they're great. Very good job. Uh, Jim Rutherford went back to the speed skill approach, um, used his wheeling and dealing for positive gains, uh, especially with the Jason Zucker trade. Um Brandon Tanev still wildly overpriced with a lot of term, but he does have a skill he's good at, and that's playing defensive hockey, and he can skate. So overpay, yes. Can he help? Yes. Yeah, the argument wasn't what he could do on the ice. The argument was you're paying too much for what he does on the ice. (laughs) Yeah, there's just no offense to be had there. I think his penalty drawing ability is... Overrated. I think he, he he start off as a penguin drawing quite a few penalties per game. That tailed off dramatically. Um, so it's Sorry, not. Does your averages all right? Average it out. It's all good. 
Um, so I don't think that's a unique skill that he has necessarily, but I'm not doubting the fact he's probably going to piss some people off in the playoffs. He seems like the type of player that will annoy some people. So, Um, You want to take it from top to bottom? I think that's a wise move. Um, Well, we'll start with the Sid line, not because I necessarily automatically think it's the better line, but, you know, Sid's always the 1A to Malkin's 1B. He'll have Jake Gensel. Uh, Those are the lines. Uh, I think there was always an argument for asking the question, should Gensel be with Malkin or Crosby after doing a little bit of research myself. Uh, I found that the Crosby-Gensel duo actually had uh, slightly better results, and we know it's a known commodity of being good. Furthermore, the right winger that's with them, we know that's a a working commodity in itself with Connor Sherry back on the team, back in that role. I think he's a good third wheel. I don't think, on his own, I don't, you know, he's a middle six, third line kind of player. But on the Penguins with two studs, you put them there. He can tread water. It allows you to bump other guys down. I think it's a smart move to put him there. Um, yes, he's still going to fall down a lot. Yes, the last time <laughs> he was a Penguin in the playoffs, uh, he, his goal scoring, he's in quite a, a drought would be an appropriate way to describe it. Even though, <laughs> even though one of those goals was a overtime Stanley Cup final goal, uh, those are always valuable. Uh, he does other things like puck retrieval, and um, if you watch him enter the zone with speed, he always tries those chip plays behind the D to get it to Gensel and Crosby, and that opens up the east-to-west uh, rush attacks that are so dangerous. He does those things well. He looks to free up those other two. He doesn't always have the skill set to execute it at all times, I like where his head's at with some of his decision-making, though. So top line, no complaints from me. Um, Would would you do anything different there? No. I mean, they're lucky in that the top two lines, they can put them in the blender if they want and mix and match, and just whoever catches fire, they stick with it. It's the bonus of having Crosby and Malkin. The only argument you might have is you might put Rust up there. Um but or some people might I, say Hornquist, but let's walk that one back. Um, yeah, you are right. They would say that, but yeah, that would be the only thing that I you you might see change right off the bat would be whacking Rust up there. But I see no reason not to have Shiri up there. He he plays like he plays like a less offensive Kunitz when Kunitz was in his prime in Pittsburgh. As far as his choices of trying to uh, how he fills stuff up, yeah, he's just not yeah. as, not as talented as uh... no. It's, you're right. Like he gets there and goes, my job is to just make sure that the two guys that are on this line get as many opportunities and as many good places as possible. And if I get something along the way, that's a bonus. And he understands that. You can tell by the way he plays. And Sherry led the NHL in points per sixty at even strength, playing on this line. Not that that speaks to him being the best offensive player in hockey. It just says, to me, he can tread that water and do it quite well. You can bump other people down. So bumping down, Brian Rust, who with Malkin was phenomenal this year. I feel bad for Brian Rust uh, in the sense that he got robbed of a 30-goal season. 
I think he got robbed gotten... of probably a forty, to be honest. <laughs> you know, depending, <clears throat> but for sure, I think thirty goal, which is something I never thought he would hit. And yeah, yeah, it's just one of those feathers in your cap that you. Yeah, I was a thirty goal scorer in the NHL, and I wish he. Uh, if I were him, I'd still say it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> an asterisk what, on the end of what, that. What year? Twenty uh, twenty. What? What year was it? So, Malkin and him, terrific. Jason Zucker, um, I like the fit there because here's my thought. Much like you gave a Kunitz comparison, I'm going to give a Carl Haglin comparison in the fact that Jason Zucker can skate, not as fast. That's not fair to Zucker. Uh, <laughs> it's like, can anybody? Because Haglin can fly. But Zucker has hands. So I think Zucker is a hybrid between what you said with Kunitz and Haglin. And that's going to be a great fit for Malkin. And it looked pretty good in the exhibition game. And from all accounts in practice, it's been a good fit so far. So I really, I really like the top two lines. And, you know, we didn't really get into detail, but yes. Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. Malkin, who was on pace for 110 points this year. Jesus Christ. It's amazing when you give him quality of teammate, what can happen? So he finally gets Gensel and Latang, and he's on a 110-point pace. That's Guys that nuts. Sid usually gets. So, so obviously, he's not going to have Latang Or Gensel. He's... Yes, but I think it balances out with Rust and, and Zucker in yes, the sense that he doesn't yes. have... I don't have, have any problem with his wingers, and I have less of a concern about uh, defensemen because um, very bullish on John Marino um, and what he's been able to do, and we'll talk about the, the D uh, momentarily. Uh, I just want to get through the rest of the depth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Third line's the one I have the most questions about, not because I necessarily dislike any of the players on it. Um, you know, you got McCann at center. McCann's offense away from Sidney Crosby has been, meh, not, <laughs> not great. So it is what it is. Uh, Patrick Marlowe, you know, he's still decent enough at his age, very fast skater. So, again, Rutherford back to the speed thing. Um, which is nice, even though Marlowe is old and he's way up there in games played in the history of this league, <laughs> still incredibly fast. Hornquist, well, we've seen his underlying possession numbers and expected goals can be good away from Sid and Gino when they had the Bugstad, uh, McCann, Hornquist line from the year before. Uh, so I don't know how much offense this line's going to generate. And to me, they're the biggest question mark about the Penguins forwards. Um, I'm not saying they're not as good as the fourth line. I just, I'm unsure of what they bring to the table because the fourth line, one of the best defensive lines in the NHL led by Zach Aston Reese, who, um, a lot of, uh, the advanced stats community were very, um, talked him up as a Selkie candidate. So, it's not going to happen. He's on the fourth line. <laughs> no, I un understood. But, I know, I know. Uh, that fourth line, for matchups, 
you know, this is the biggest change from the, that middle section between when they won the Cups in a row versus now. Uh, their fourth line was dog shit after that. Matt Cullen was shot. Matt Cullen left. They replaced him with, what, Carter Rowney or whoever. Uh, I can't even remember. It wasn't good. Correct. They went back to Matt Cullen's corpse last year. Didn't work. I hate talking bad about Matt Cullen because his overall career, excellent. But he held on too long. It hurt the Penguins. They didn't have a fourth line that could really do anything positive. Now they have a fourth line they can throw out against the top line. Now, I don't want the fourth line playing 15 minutes with the top line of the other team because that's stealing minutes from better players on the Penguins. But if it's a defensive zone faceoff and the top line for the other teams out there, you can have the Penguins' fourth line gobble that up. You don't have to waste Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin on a defensive zone faceoff. And that fourth line is usually going to be very fresh to be able to do those things and match those lines. Um assuming the Penguins are the home team on some occasions. But that's a different thing. That's going to open up matchups for the top two lines to do their thing, and that's a huge change from the last few years, and I think it's going to pay dividends. You'd hope so. All I really want out of that third line is to just keep the puck in the offensive zone. I get worried with Hornquist in his own end, in that I feel like he plays himself out of position because it's Hornquist and he just gets himself excited and obviously wants to run people over. So if that third line can just keep the puck in the other end and then the fourth line can, like you said, be used to help get the puck out, you do get that freedom to not have to burn 30 seconds of a shift of Crosby and Malcolm trying to get the puck out of the zone. Fourth line just eats shit minutes and does okay and stays afloat. That's great for a playoff run. Mm. Yeah, you're not. You, it's one of the. It's always the expectation of your fourth line in particular, isn't that they generate offense. Is just to make sure that they give you the ability to generate offense from the rest of your team. If they can get the puck out of the zone, um, or you know, because a lot of those guys will be on the penalty kill. If they can penalty kill well as well. Um, then you're in a situation that your really good guys can, you know, reward the team by by scoring. And it's a tough thing. It would be a tough thing as an athlete, I think, at times to realize that, that you're going to get the, the pat on the back from everybody in your team, but nobody else is going to give a toss. Yeah. Well, the cup rings help. That, this is true. So, um, and... You know, say there's an injury, because they've been off quite a long time. So I'm really kind of uh, someone's gonna have concerned to with some tweaks, and, and yeah. it's the playoffs. People get hurt anyways. It's hockey. People get hurt. They do have <laughs> Evan Rodriguez waiting in the wings. They're a good depth player. Um, it's nice to just have that. Some people um, like Sam Lafferty. I, I, I'm not there. Um, I think Rodriguez is by far the better player. Uh, so for a 13th forward, good place to be. Penguins are in a good place. Um, defensively, we know that top pairing is great. Don't need to really think too much about 
Latang and Dumoulin. The second pairing, Marcus Pedersen gives me Olimata vibes at times. So The yips, gives you the yips. <laughs> but Olimata was the chameleon, and Pedersen's playing with Marino, so if he's going to be true to Olimata, he should be fine with John Marino, who's been splendid. And, man, in the exhibition game, I know these are just singular plays in a meaningless game, he had his defensive partner wide open on one sequence. Could have easily just, most players just take the easiest way out. Instead, he made a backhand pass up the middle in stride to the center off the Penguins went. So to have that vision, be able to make that pass on his backhand, not that there was tremendous pressure on him, but the play it safe and all that, a lot of defensemen would have went to the partner. He didn't. Um, there's another sequence in front of the net, huge scramble. All of a sudden, Marino shot out of a cannon. He's just out of the, the scramble in front with the puck flying up the ice. Very I'm good skater, hot. very good poise with the puck. I really like um, what I've seen so far from him. That, that, that Having him in that role and not Schultz, I feel a lot more comfortable. So, But that leaves us to the bottom pairing, and this is where um, – if you follow the athletic and, and Dom decisions, excellent work. He said there were two moves the Penguins could make to significantly up their percentage uh, of winning the series. Even though Dom has the series 64% to 35% uh, or 64.2% to 35.8% Penguins, which is the most lopsided of any of the first round matchups, he says the Penguins could even tilt that more if they just bench Jack Johnson. <sighs> And start Jari. That was the other one. But we already talked enough about the goaltending. So Jack Johnson, according to the goals saved above average, or or the GSVA metric that Dom uses, Jack Johnson is a minus 1.0. He's the worst player in the entire series. The only other negative players are Dale Weiss, who's negative 0.3, Christian Folan, who is the... Canadian sixth defenseman, he's negative 0.1. Never heard of the guy, but he's a whole goal better than Jack Johnson. And uh, Jesper yeah, Kotanemi, who's a young player, he's minus 0.1. Um, fortunately for the Penguins, Johnson is the only negative player. Yes, but he's going to get I know, I know. minutes. Like, and he will get heavy minutes at the end of games. I think that's the thing that annoys me. Game score Most. value added. I'm sorry. I just wanted to – I got that wrong. So the GSBA's game score value added, and Dama's big metric is his game score. So um, the way the defense shakes out, very even. So you got Latang and Weber, 2.5, 2.3. Dumoulin and uh, Ben uh, Charat, 1.0, 0.7. John Marino, Jeff Petrie, 1.7, 2.0, so that's kind of a wash. Petrie, um, very uh, underrated, very good player. Pedersen and Victor Mete, 0.9, 0.5. Schultz and Brett Kulak, 0.6, 0.7. And then it's Jack Johnson, minus 1.0. Christian Folan, <laughs> minus 0.1. So overall, the defense pretty even. But... I do have to say it's tough to argue with the top pairing of the Penguins. That, that is a known 
commodity. That is a badass combo. They get shit done. They do, and they're going to need to because so. the Canadians aren't terrible. No. So here's the thing with them. Second in the league in expected goals for at 54%. That's not to be uh, taken lightly. They, they do good things. Why were they 24th in the league and shouldn't have been in the playoffs? Well, they're basically doing a cosplay of the 2017-18 Carolina Hurricanes. Good expected goals. Nobody on the team that can finish. They just don't have guys that can finish. Got good players. Their top line of Dano, Tatar, Gallagher. Very good. I uh, don't dislike that um, trio at all. I would try to get that fourth line out against them to eat those minutes and let the other lines run free. Um, according to Evolving Wild, they have a, like a snipe score or whatever. Yep. Seven Penguins have, have better finishing ability than the, the first best Canadian. Who yes, is Max the top Zone. end talent. Yeah, the top end so, talent definitely leans to the Penguins. And and let's be honest, the Penguins aren't a bad expected goals team either. So it's not like the Canadians are going to run wild on them. Uh, the yeah. Penguins just don't need as many chances to be deadly. And I'm going to say this: the Penguins' expected goals for the season way lower than it really is right now because they were never healthy. Sid missed 30-ish games. Dumoulin was out forever. Uh, Gensel out forever. Like, those guys are all back. Those guys are all very important. Uh, the Penguins, whatever the Canadians do well, the Penguins can do it too, and they have better finishing talent. The only thing that can swing this is um, Carey Price being great or a Penguins goaltender being very bad. So Yeah. It's, it's interesting in that if this goes to five games, I think any of these teams that play in this first round of playoff games has a substantial advantage to the teams that are in the round robin situation. We see we see series in best of seven go to game five all the time. Why why would this be any different? You know. I get. I just think that if well if it ends up being like you end up coming out of a five game series, you've got five games under your belt of in the new COVID arena where everything is weird, you've got your bumps and your scrapes and your bruises and you're right back into it sort of thing. I just think the volume of games they play to get into the next round will just help them a lot more than the teams that are kind of waiting there for them. Yep, they just got to get through and a short series is a son of a bitch. Best teams don't always win. Um, but I like where the Penguins are at. I like mm. their chances with this. I, I like if you could pick them an opponent like i know it didn't work well last year i still truly believe the islanders were the shittiest eastern conference team and the penguins got to play them in the first round didn't even win a game it doesn't change my opinion that that was the easiest matchup they were going to have correct uh can't argue that at all so this again easiest matchup they're going to get in my opinion uh, mike sullivan's got to make it work people want to talk coach of the year He's, he's got to get his players in the best spots to succeed so that they can cash in on, um, you know, we've been very critical of Rutherford, but the current roster right now, um, he undid a lot of uh, crappy choices uh, after the 2017 season. Yeah, yeah. This this feels a, 
a, a 16, 17 type roster. With with Latang being the key difference, because the playoffs they were a mess without him playing Ainsley yeah. on the top pairing, um, which yep. that that's a big drop off. I don't. Some people probably don't think so, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think the series will end on Crosby's birthday, and he will score eight goals and seven assists because he's a superstitious freak. He is indeed. Um, eight seven, eight seven, eight seven. And the game, the game will end eight seven. Uh, for those that don't know, that is game four. I think it'll end in four in the Penguins' favor. I just think, you know, I don't feel comfortable ever picking like how many games, but I am comfortable picking the Penguins. Um, I don't want to overthink this. It's a short series, so there's a lot of um, variability there. There's a lot of variance uh, that you can't account for. It's hockey. That's why it's exciting. Because even if you do crunch the numbers and you are using proper probabilities, uh, you can be wrong. And that's why people watch, because the result is never a sure thing, kind of unlike basketball, where you can predict it a little bit better, I think. Yeah, yeah, well, the, yes, I agree. Basketball is uh, more predictable. Um, but so, it's, I think the thing with hockey is the goalies. It's always been the way. They can come out and just stand on their head, or they can just be a sieve, and there goes all of your planning. So you're picking Montreal in three? No. <laughs> I would like to enjoy this, uh, this winter hockey a little bit longer, so... I'm going to pick Pittsburgh in four as well. Yeah, it's just tough to pick a sweep because I, I do think Montreal, um, you know, has some underlying numbers that were promising. But the fact of the matter is the amount of regulation wins they had was uh, akin to the Buffalo Sabres, and nobody is holding up Buffalo as <laughs> uh, an organization to mimic these days. So Their ability, the, the, the Canadians' ability to extend the series really does come down to Carey Price. If you get... Olympic level carry price, Pittsburgh are in trouble. I still think just sheer volume of high quality chances would mean Pittsburgh would still win. Yeah, but see, Carey... I think Carey Price can play great and the Penguins can still win, assuming they get Correct. average goaltending or better. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like Carey Price can nullify only so much because I just think the volume of high quality chances that the Penguins' talent can generate will overwhelm anybody in, in a particular sense and that would mean Pittsburgh have got the puck all the time and then whatever the skill set that the Canadians forwards have they don't have a high enough skill set to have a really high percentage of success with their lower volume of, of high quality chances so and I'd be floored if Malkin doesn't go off be nice to see one more sort he's, of he's just Gino primed. Machino run he's just primed and his birthday's today Hey. 34, what the fuck? Oh, yeah, it's 31st over there still, isn't it? Sorry, on the 1st of August. <laughs> no, yeah, so, man, Malkin, 34. He's on 110-point pace this year. Uh, it just goes to show the elite players, they don't uh, they don't fall victim to that aging curve the same way some of these other guys do. No, it's certainly a slower decline. So, um, I don't know, anything else on this series? 
No, I think that covers it off. Is there anything you want to discuss generally about the whole return, or are we just going to wait, see what happens, and yeah, then we'll get back to we'll, it? We'll get to the other stuff um, as we go through. I just want to, uh, you know, get something, get something out, get this uh, nice, quick, easy to digest for people before the series starts, um, and then we'll, um, you know, of course, we'll continue to follow this series, but we'll have thoughts on some of the other series um, as we as we go here. So um, really cool to be back. Uh, didn't didn't think it was going to happen. Really glad that it has. Um, it's certainly made the hockey writing a lot easier. Jesus Christ. I just, <laughs> I was just so not. I, in March, I'm like, oh, fuck. Like an early playoff <laughs> loss, round one last year, it's like April, and you're like, oh, I got to kill time till july uh this one was like oh shit there's no end in sight i can't come up with like there's only so many things i can talk about and the penguins have a roster that's kind of set in stone yeah so you can't even it's not like you're covering the sabers where there's a ton of like well they need to do this to get better and that and that and this and that and yeah there's just it wasn't there for the penguins so i'm just super glad to to have actual stuff to talk about uh, so i can be a little lazier with coming up with stuff <laughs> you know what i find really weird about doing all this is that we met in february mm-hmm. and it feels like it's like 65 lifetimes ago it does it's nuts it, it doesn't feel like this year at, at all at no. all and it was just barely before shit went down and um yeah we, we got just really, got we out got, we got really lucky to to pull that off and like i still I, finally look back on that trip i said to kylie oh you know we're gonna do a podcast that she goes what's the season restarted i said no it's the same season she said what this year i said yeah we went and actually saw games live remember she's like oh my god you're right <laughs> i was talking about that vegas game we went to with uh, another soccer parent the other day um and just how cool the atmosphere was in Vegas. Yeah, they they done it well there. It's yeah, it's really good. I have to admit, I'm a little blurry on the first period, to be honest, because I had a lot of whatever it was you and your brother were feeding me. <laughs> yeah, those those drinks were uh, were, were stiff. Ah, oh, yes. I might have to rewatch that game just to go. Oh yeah, no, I was there. That's right. Whew. Well, all right. Let's let's get out of here and get this thing live for everybody, eh? Sounds good. Well, great to be back. Enjoy tomorrow. Playoffs from noon to midnight or longer, depending. Playoff <laughs> yes. playoff overtime. So, really cool. Glad to be back. We'll talk to you soon. See ya. Bye.